Hi guys, welcome back. Max and Izzy here, and you're listening to the Truth of Youth podcast. Max, I just have to say how excited I am about all the support we've been receiving recently. We're so close to hitting a thousand listens. It's so incredible to see such insane support and love from our listeners each and every day. So keep it up, you guys. I couldn't agree more, Izzy. Thank you guys so much. If you want to keep supporting the podcast, be sure to check out last week's episode when you can. We teamed up with some of our friends to talk about how we spend our summers, whether it be at sleepaway camp, traveling the globe, or just a chill day at home that many of us are now experiencing. But today, we're taking a break from the interviews for a new mini-series, one that Max and I have been wanting to do for a while. We're calling it The Truth of Youth Great Debates. One of us will read a statement out loud that we find that argues a certain standpoint. This statement will be randomly chosen and doesn't necessarily reflect either of our opinions, but after we read it, we will decide our own stance and debate it. Izzy and I have gained a lot of debate experience on the debate team throughout the past couple years, and since we might not be able to put our skills to the test this year due to COVID, we figured we might be able to do a bit of a redacted version for just the two of us. So Izzy, are you ready to give this a go? Yeah, Max, let's do it. All right, so since we're doing something a little different this week and we just reviewed the rules, we don't really have any traditional three Truth of Today questions for this episode. So Izzy, why don't you read today's first statement and we'll get right into it. Perfect. So this statement reads, advertising should be banned during children's TV shows. Max, what do you think? So this one's kind of interesting to me because I'm not really sure, like at first glance, like, what exactly my opinion is, but I'm pretty sure that it should be banned. I kind of agree with the statement. Well, to a certain extent, at least. I mean, depending on, you know, if I'm watching like Elmo or Sesame Street when I'm like, I don't know, like three or four or something like that. Obviously, I'm not going to be able to read and stuff like that. But when you start to understand English or whatever language that you speak, I feel like you're always trying to think of like the words that you hear all the time and so that might have an effect on what you think of in terms of you know toys or uh, I don't know even insurance I've seen like Davy Gerber commercials I don't know like for like the dollar the penny <laughs> or whatever I don't know if you know what I mean but I don't know if that's necessarily indoctrinating but to a certain extent you don't want to see like biased commercials like on a children's television program because that could, you know, influence their views, especially when they're so like malleable at like a, such a young age. But I think it really depends. What about you? I agree with what you're saying. I mean, when I was younger, like if I saw something on TV, I just repeat it to everyone and be like, guys, look how smart I am. Like video camera. And it'd be like a Canon commercial, whatever. Um, so like if you watch an advertisement of like, I don't know, like a political thing or insurance and you just keep repeating it. Like, it's just like, then people around you might be like, 
what are your parents saying to you? Because usually that's how you pick up like words, like by the people around you. And it's like, what are they saying? Or like, and I agree, like it shouldn't be indoctrinating. But if it's like OxyClean, like what are they going to do? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And I, yeah. they need they need the ads, like the companies need the ads. And that's how they get their, like it's a marketing thing. That's the point of them. So mm-hmm. you don't want to yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anyway, like what I remember, it's like, I don't know, it's just mostly advertisements for like other children's TV shows, children's products, things like that. But yeah, it definitely depends, I would say, on the type of commercial it is. But overall, yeah, you're right. They do need the money. So I, I kind of changed my opinion a little bit. But as long as they're not indoctrinating, I think it's typically okay. But mm-hmm. overall, I don't know if it's the best idea because it's a little too general to make a assumption. <laughs> okay, so should we do the second one? Mm-hmm. So this statement reads, when genetic engineering becomes advanced enough, parents should be able to choose things such as the sex of their child. Izzy? Well, it kind of like scares me that that could be a thing of the future and like being able to really fabricate a child is kind of like freaky, I guess. Um, in general, I just, I don't think that they should. I think, like, when people, like, find out the gender of their child, I just think that's, like, the cool part of it. And it's, like, sometimes it's, like, a surprise. And I feel like it, like, takes away that element of, like, wanting to find out. Whenever, if someone in my family is ever, like, pregnant and we're all, like, guessing, like, what it's going to be. And, like, if you were able to choose the sex of your child like it would just ruin that sort of like natural element I don't know I don't think that you should be able to yeah I agree to a certain extent I mean it definitely depends on the situation also like I know I'm gonna say that for like literally every one of these it always depends on the situation but if we're talking generalizations I think that parents should be able to obviously find out I think that's reasonable you should be able to you know especially if you're in a financial situation where like you can't buy both the girls and the boys stuff and like you know you can't like afford to you need to know what you're like up against (laughs) in a way yeah 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 I understand that's reasonable but in terms of like changing the sex of your child I don't know if that's the safest option depending on what would happen I mean you don't want to tamper with nature and I know that's like kind of weird to say because there's all this talk about how they're going to eliminate things like acne and like babies, like make them like designer babies. And to me, like to me personally, it almost makes the child like not yours. Like it might be genetically yours, but the fact that it's being tampered with. It feels like an experiment. Like I wouldn't want to be like some sort of test of like, I don't know, making sure I don't have acne or just taking away that natural aspect and element of childbirth and just like children and just people growing up. Um, That seems a little insane. (laughs) In terms of like acne, which first of all, like I struggle with, like I wouldn't want to wish that on anyone. So it's like something like that versus the sex of um, a baby, which first of all, your biological sex obviously plays a huge part in like who you are as a person, but like that might change when you get older. Like there are trans people and obviously their identity isn't exactly 
what they were assigned to at birth. So you can't really decide that for your child. And that just, I feel like, goes against a lot of ethics. But in terms of like things like acne, like I just said, if there's a safe, proven way to get rid of it genetically, I know they ha- there's still a lot of research going into that. I definitely think that can, you know, be a good option. The next statement reads, dance is not a sport. Max, what do you think? Okay, so I really don't want to get hate for this, but I'm just going to say what I think, like, very briefly first, and then I want to hear what you think, and then I'll, like, elaborate. I just personally do not believe dance is a sport. That's all. I'm going to I'm gonna say why in a little bit, but that's just what I think. Izzy, explain what you think. I completely disagree. I think it is a sport. I think it taxes you cardiovascularly. You can compete in it it's really like exhausting and like it definitely requires like effort and stamina like which most sports do it requires coordination it takes time there's like practices like it's just it's structured the same way as any other sport like I don't see why it wouldn't be a sport I think it is so the reason I like I understand why people can like call it a sport because it has a competitive aspect But if you're talking about competitive dancing versus something like ballet, which I have a few friends that do, like, that's more of an art to me. You're just, you just talked about like, you know, coordination, stuff like that, which is obviously required to, you know, do ballet and stuff like that and other dance types. But in terms of competitive dance, I think it's a little different than actual dance so if we're talking about competitive dance versus just regular dance it's a little bit of a different story i still don't really think that competitive dance is really a sport i have pretty good rhythm from piano and singing but i definitely like when i did do dance for like a second like i could not do it i was just not like in it really it's so i think it's so much more than what meets the eye there's so many like elements You have to be able to do all the moves correctly. You have to engage the right emotions at specific times. You have to know like how to perform in a specific shoe or outfit or whatever. Like that is not usually taken into account, but like, I think it's really important. It's just like, I don't know. I definitely think it's a sport, but that doesn't mean like, just because like you said, it's an art. Like, I don't think that that means that it's not a sport. I think it can be both. Uh, you obviously have to be athletic to do dance. I, I'm, there's no denying that. A lot of dancers are even more athletic than people who play some sports. But I think you need to have skill to do anything, you know, creative, uh, athletic. You need skill for everything. So I kind of am rejecting what I said earlier just because I didn't really think it through enough. But I think that dance, it's just, it's a lot more artistic. It's not necessarily something that you do with, you know, uh, like a ball, a puck, stuff like that. Um, It's not really one team versus another directly, which is what most sports are like. Like tennis, it's like two people. Yes, it is. In competitive dance, there's so many. Right, but there's other teams, but in the same way, like, you go through a circulation of teams when you play a support. Like well, it's like instead of going to a game every week, you have all the games at once against all the teams. It's the same concept. Yeah, but I'm talking about like one once at a time. Like 
when you go to a football game, you're playing one team against another. Obviously, there's a league, but there's dance leagues, I think, or I don't know. But you don't really compete against specifically one team every single time you do a dance competition. If you're, you know, in an art competition, for example, and you're entering one of your pieces, you're competing against a bunch of people simultaneously and one person triumphs. So, I mean, it's not that I don't think you, you need to be skilled for dance. A lot, a lot of, a lot of components of dance are sport-like. I'm just saying that to me, it differentiates from a sport in a ton of ways. And, and some, I can't really even explain. I, I don't really, I'm not open to changing my mind. I actually think you presented a lot of good points. That's just what I think. Okay. Well, let's move right along then. <laughs> we will agree to disagree. So the next statement reads, the drinking age should be 18. I agree with this statement. I think that, especially in the U.S., a lot of things are allowed when you turn 18. You can vote. You can legally, like, drive, like, whoever you want. There's no, like, GDL, whatever. Um, Like, I think you gain a lot of rights when you turn 18, and drinking should kind of work the same way. If the concern is drinking behind the wheel, you shouldn't do that regardless of whether or not you're 18 or 21 as it is currently. Plus in a lot of other countries, um, the drinking age is around that, if not lower. And it hasn't seemed to be that big of an issue, I don't think, in comparison to a lot of other problems. Um, Yeah, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. I think that in a lot of other countries, and this is not even based on what I'm like just reading off of, but I've heard someone tell me this before. In the countries, especially a lot of European countries, we talked about this a little bit in our Europe episode, episode six, I think. So go check that out if you haven't. But um, we talked about, you know, European countries, they have a lower death rate um, due to drunk driving, stuff like that. And you know, if that's the issue, if that's why drinking is restricted to 21 up, then I feel like it should be re-examined, especially in a day where we have things like Uber. So there really is no excuse to drink and drive anymore. When we had things like prohibition and everyone was driving their own cars, you know, in the 20s, things like that, it's a very different story than I feel like it is now. So I think that definitely the government should take a second you know, look at it. I know things like marijuana are being legalized and obviously I don't want to get too political, but you know, there's obviously advantages to everything and every like disbanding some things and stuff like that. But yeah, I definitely think a second, you know, look should be applied to that. I Like, I feel like if you push people away from something, they'll only want it more. If you push the age further, then people will only try to find ways to get it illegally at a younger age, which is way more that's just not as good as like if you just made it so people could get it the way that it yeah. was. If that makes sense, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. like if you if you ban something, people are only gonna want to do it more. Like you know what I mean? That yeah. that idea of like wanting what you can't have, like will only push people towards it more and probably will do more harm than good than just allowing them to do that thing. In this case, not in all cases, but in this case I think, yeah. And also, like, another thing that a lot of people don't take into consideration is, like, alcohol is very different from a lot of drugs and stuff like that. That's why we say alcohol and drugs most of the time, because alcohol has been 
you know, consumed for thousands of years. And it's had the same effect on humans for thousands of years. And so we know the long-term effects of things like that. We know the short-term effects of things like that. Obviously, it can be harmful to younger children. And yeah, it definitely shouldn't be allowed to at least when you're considered a legal adult when you're 18. But I think, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I would love to see like the reasons specifically why it's to 21 and not 18. Um, but yeah. Okay, so maybe we should go to the next statement. Yeah. So the next statement, I think this is kind of appearing more and more recently. Um, homeschooling is better than traditional schooling. What do you think? So I definitely think, and I don't want to say this again about the, you know, it depends on the person, depends on the situation thing. But this is one where it definitely depends on the person. I mean, there's people that, do sports outside of school and they you know want to either go pro or go d1 and their parents are in full support of that things like that uh and they kind of need to be home to you know be able to keep up their game consistently to get recruited and i completely agree with that i completely think that homeschooling is a better option for them but i think there's a lot of advantages to traditional school and i think that's so why a lot of people are pushing us to go back especially during this pandemic uh, because, you know, you're in a communal classroom and you're able to live in person, ask questions to a teacher who hopefully <laughs> is informed and, you know, knows uh, the process of a lot of things that they teach very, very well. And I mean, most people who are homeschooled are either taught by their parents who might stay home the whole time. And depending on how effective they are as a teacher it could be very beneficial and it also could be even better because you know you learn so much better one-on-one -on -one with a tutor versus in a 20-person classroom because you can ask as many questions as you want so i think it definitely depends on the situation but if we're talking about how everyone could receive their own personal tutor um who is very well versed things like that i definitely think homeschooling would be better but i don't know if that's realistic I think actually right now it's pretty realistic because it's been a very, like I know plenty of people because their school is like, okay, like we're going back, but we're going back online due to COVID-19. There's been tutors that are forming like tiny little study groups and you can like pick the people. It's just kind of like you get that undivided attention that I don't feel like, I, I mean, at least I don't feel like I got during virtual school for from March until the end of it. And I definitely missed that opportunity to be able to go to a teacher for extra help or just have that one-on-one -on -one undivided attention to figure out what exactly I need and how to do everything. Um, so I think as of right now, and if like in terms of as an alternative to virtual learning, I think homeschooling is much better. Of course, it it's not always that attainable. There's not going to be that many people who are willing to like parents for example will not some of them won't drop everything to teach their child their schedules align because their child goes to school like you know what i mean especially working parents like they wouldn't do that so they would have to find someone which honestly i've seen a lot of like facebook groups and like things online that are just like looking to form a little study group in this like outdoor space with like a tent and i'm like that sounds kind of nice like not gonna lie but traditional schooling, I think what sets it apart is really just like the social aspect that 
helps you grow and interact with other people. I think if you are homeschooled for a good chunk of your life, you miss that sort of interaction period um, with others. And that is truly a part of growth and the person that you become and which is really what you take out of school as opposed to cosine tangent sign, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And I didn't even take it into consideration. The social aspect of school is critical to like, you know, growing up and stuff like that. Like, I can't imagine how many friends I would have if I didn't go to school. So yeah, I totally agree. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that in terms of now, um, homeschooling virtually, if we're talking about virtual versus in-person, it is very different because it's not really tangible learning if, you know, you're online, which for things like math, I <laughs> I know this in personal experience, and I know you. Oh my you gosh, me too. I'm so rusty. <laughs> yeah, like it's not good. So I think that homeschooling online it has its benefits and also major downfalls because it's super accessible yet it's not always super effective. <laughs> so. But some like homeschooling that will be taking place like this year due to schools like saying that they're gonna go all virtual is like in person and like spaced out and with very limited people. But yeah. Yeah. So the next statement reads, students should be able to take coding as an alternative to a second language in school. So I think that, yeah, you should be able to take coding as an alternative to a language. And I think that you should probably take a specific coding language as a language. I know that things like ASL, some of my camp friends are able to do that instead of, you know, taking things like Spanish or Latin. And I think that's really cool. And honestly, it's, but it's just as beneficial in some ways, especially if you're com you're pursuing a uh, computer science degree or things like that. Um, I definitely think that it's important to learn or just even try a second language. I know Spanish has taught me a lot. You know, um, I speak Spanish in Spanish-speaking countries when I visit them, and I actually kind of like it. And also watching Spanish television shows like you know Money Heist stuff like that. Uh, I love doing that. It's just cool to, you know, be able to understand what they're saying. And I don't know, it's like talking in like, you know, a code language or something like that. And it, people say that if you're able to master multiple languages, it can also change your thinking. There's like, an, it's like a psychology thing. It's like the something effect. I forget what it's called, but um, it kind of like rewires your brain. So I definitely think there's advantages to both. But if you're really techy into computer science, STEM, yeah, I definitely think that it should be allowed. Me personally, I'd be eager to take both. I think that they both are so valuable in different ways. I don't know if I would pick one over the other. I think coding is such a thing of the future recently, like with just the rising influence of technology, coding is a very valuable skill to have. And I really honestly wish that I kind of had a class. I know there's a computer science class, but it's hard to like really block out like some of your other electives I guess and just make it maybe even making it like some sort of like prerequisite to things I think would be really important me personally um but I also really enjoy taking a second language I know a second language I love being able to speak Russian it's such a valuable tool just culturally and it's just a really cool thing and a beautiful thing to know how to do and I really enjoy Spanish I always looked forward to learning about just the culture and how to communicate and all those like nitty gritty things even um that are really annoying to study on tests and all the accents and stuff but even that is kind of fun but yeah that's my view 
A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with you. It should be a prerequisite or something like that. Especially like, I mean, you know, things like block coding, I'm going to be completely honest, that like isn't coding. And I just don't think that that should be taught. But, you know, things like JavaScript or Python, which I actually had the chance to learn a little bit about this summer and R, all these coding languages, just learning a little bit about them or even what they are, it's, it can be super beneficial. So yeah, should definitely be something taught early on. If but if, I guess like in extreme cases, if you know 100%, like when choosing or thinking about your career path, like I hate computers, I hate anything techie, then I guess don't waste your time on it. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it, it, it almost begs the question, should coding be required? That might be like a better question. Maybe we'll explore that in the future. The next statement is companies should be required to hire 50% male and 50% female employees. Izzy? So I think in a perfect world, that would be really nice to have that equal ratio of feminine and masculine personalities. And just in the workplace, I'm sure that'd be really nice. But realistically speaking, there are just some fields that are more male dominated, some fields that are more female dominated. And it's really hard to specifically establish a 50-50 ratio with a good enough skill set on both sides, I guess, just because of which ones are more dominated and which ones aren't. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Although I do think for certain jobs, it's easier to establish that threshold than others. If you have something like, you know, you're, you're in like a doctor's office. And this is just a well-known fact. Like there is a shortage of women in STEM and also medicine. So I think it's more difficult to establish that threshold for that. It, obviously, it should be encouraged more because, you know, we need more women in STEM. We need more um, minorities in STEM, things like that to make it a more diverse field. So I don't know if it should be required, not yet at least, but... I hope that in, by encouraging it one day, that will actually be able to happen. Like you just said, a perfect world. So um, I think that obviously there should be a threshold close to that. I think that it shouldn't invalidate you from a job just because you're not female or male. Yeah, just like you shouldn't like, oh, we have to have one more guy to fit this role because it's 50-50. So we're not going to hire this really skilled woman. You know what I mean? Like I, it has, there has to be some sort of principle of practicality. And also like, like I was saying before, just, I guess like the energies of like masculinity and femininity, like, I don't know. I feel like I've never been to the doctor's office and had a male nurse, me personally in the hospital, I've seen them, but in the doctor's office, no. And I don't know if like there's a specific like reason for that or just like women are more catered towards like hospitality. I don't, I don't really know, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this like idea of breaking like gender stereotypes and all that, I think that's so important. And first of all, not even including things like non-binary people. I think that it's important to include people like that too. Having representation for not, not only, um, you know, gender wise, but also, you know, in terms of your ethnicity, things like that, it's all important. And I'm glad things like colleges are starting to represent that and recognize that. But it remains to be seen like in the future, what's going to happen with that. So you're right about the invalidation, uh, just because of like, you know, you're, you're male or um, no, you're white or things like that. I don't think that should ever disqualify someone from getting a job. Let's do one last one. 
The last statement reads, children under 13 should not be allowed to babysit. Max, what's your, what's your view on this? So 13 is kind of a specific age, I feel like, but I don't know. I mean, when I was 13, I had a bar mitzvah. I, I felt kind of, you know, a little more mature. When you're 13, what grade are you in? I don't know. Set yet, you're in like seventh grade. I feel like, yeah, like right around the time you start middle school, I think that's okay. And also it depends on like who you're babysitting. If you're babysitting a literal baby, like no. Like, I don't think that should be allowed, especially unless it's like your sibling or something like that. I don't think it's like safe if you're not like, you know, skilled in, you know, taking care of a baby. But, you know, if you're just taking care of a few six or five year olds and you're 13, like, I think that should be fine. But yeah, I actually don't, I, I don't, I don't think they should be allowed to like around under like 12 or 13. I, I don't know. I somewhat disagree with you because I think I've met plenty of 15-year-olds that are way less mature than some 12-year-olds that I've met, me personally speaking. And I think it almost depends more on the maturity of the babysitter than the maturity of the child that they are actually babysitting. Of course, an infant is an extreme case. Like I, being 16 years old, don't even feel comfortable babysitting an infant. I don't know how to change a diaper, if I'm being honest. Um, But I think like when I was 12, I'm pretty sure I have babysat at that age. Um, I just also like if you it depends on your relationship with the other family like if let's say like you're really close with them and it's just kind of like one of those things where you're just hanging out with their kid as if you would at a family dinner or family gathering like that's just like fine I think but if it's like someone that you've never met before like they probably wouldn't jump to a 12 year old at first glance they would probably go to like some recommendations of like a high school student or a college student yeah a hundred percent. It depends on your relationship with the family. I mean, it depends how much of a limb you're willing to go out on. So yeah, for sure. But I don't know, like, is someone who's like nine years old, like qualified to babysit? Like, I don't know. I, I know like, you know, their literal level of maturity can always vary. But when you're making a generalization about someone's age, I'm not saying that necessarily invalidates them because they're just that age because there's generalizations about everything. I and mean, that's just how our society works. Because if everything was catered to everyone's individual needs, then it would be really, really chaotic and there would be no structure. So, I mean, what, what do you think? Like, could someone be like 10 or nine? Like, do you think they could be ba- babysitting someone that's not like their sibling or something like that? I mean, I just don't think that the person that was, that they were inquiring to babysit for would hire them. Like, I, I mean, I think that, there shouldn't be like a law where it's like they they're not allowed to like I think if they're eager to do it then they probably feel like they could handle it like I wouldn't want to be like oh yeah like I want to babysit three kids at eight years old when I was just a kid myself like I would want to know like a little bit more experience a little bit more maybe do something that a babysitter might do for example like learning how to just clean up after my sibling or just like those little things that babysitters do on the job or at least I have had to do from experience so yeah I don't think that like a seven-year-old would be super eager to babysit and I don't think that the person that they would want to babysit for would be super eager to hire them so <laughs> yeah very true yeah I, I see that point for a hundred percent yeah I see you the dance argument here's my other point Like, another point I wanted to mention was, like, if you're dancing and, like, you're at a dance competition, like, most of the stuff is planned out already. But it's, like, if you're doing something, like, 
uh, I don't know, basketball. Like you're not planning every single move that you do far in advance and using that exact way of movement to win the entire game. Because, you know, you have to practice and, you know, memorize these like movements and stuff like that when you're like at a dance competition. So obviously it's competitive. There's, there's no denying that. I just think that, you know, it's a little more planned and also it's a little more artistically expressed. Things like soccer and basketball, they're not super artistic, I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's just more athleticism. I'm not trying to invalidate dance. I, I think that, I know so many dancers that are so talented. I just think it's not necessarily a sport. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I okay. still think it is, but. Agree to disagree. Um. All right, Izzy, I think with that last point, it's a great way to, wrap up this was such a cool idea for like a new mini series and i'm glad it worked out because this is probably like one of my favorite episodes we've done so far yeah i totally agree max i mean this was so much fun and i'm so glad we got to put our debate skills for the test i mean i haven't done that in a while the last debate was like i don't know december i don't even remember Please let us know if you like this episode over on our Instagram and if you would like to see more episodes in this mini-series soon. Also, before we go, we wanted to mention that we will soon be hosting our first ever media episode where we tackle the highly requested HBO show, Euphoria. The episode will include some spoilers, so you should definitely check out the show before listening. Everyone who knows me knows that I've been watching Euphoria since it came out last year, and I'm kind of obsessed. And because Izzy is currently binging it, I'm excited to see how our opinions compare and contrast and how it might resonate with both of our high school experiences so far and a little bit more. If you haven't already and you want to go watch it before we discuss it on the podcast in two weeks, go watch it on HBO Max because it's only eight episodes and makes for a great binge in a few days. To access some extra Truth of Youth content, make sure you follow us on our Instagram at the Truth of Youth, where we post polls, Q&As, and more. And also, if you like this episode, please be sure to give our podcast a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts so that we can make the Truth of Youth even better for you guys. Also, we are going to be adding a link to a Google form where you can ask us to be interviewed on a specific topic and Give us your feedback on some of our previous episodes. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next Friday. Bye.